Welcome, everybody. Today, we're going to be speaking with Dan Owen, the president and CEO of Goodwill Kanawha Valley. What happens when the people that you're trying to help can't come to you? Well, when Muhammad can't go to the mountain, the mountain goes to Muhammad. We're going to learn today a little bit about how Goodwill reaches rural communities, as well as how Goodwill seeks to address the basic needs of people so that they can be trained to support themselves. We're looking forward to a really good podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, good. Well, Dan, um, one of the questions that we ask everybody that comes on board, we want to get to know you just a little bit better, but but why Goodwill? I mean, political science, economics, you know, Texas A&M, what brought you to Goodwill? Growing up, I was the oldest of, I was the oldest of two kids to two parents that had significant disabilities. My mother was a paraplegic spent most of her life in a wheelchair. My father was a polio survivor uh, and almost lost his life at the age of three. And as a kid growing up in Wisconsin uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, well before ADA laws, it was one of those things where I, I had a firsthand seat to um, really the trials and tribulations that the men and women who come to Goodwill every single day have to deal with. And as a kid, I, I knew there was something just inherently wrong with treating another individual uh, differently because maybe they didn't look the same or they didn't walk the same. And, and for me, unbeknownst to young Dan, that really kind of helped shape my vocational trajectory, right? At, growing up, I wanted to help individuals like my mom and my dad. And I think very early on in my career, I, I assumed that I might get into special education, maybe be a, a career case manager. But very early in my career, I, I learned a couple of valuable lessons. I learned first that skill and passion are two very different things, right? Yeah. Uh, you can you can be passionate about what you do, but if you don't have the skills to do it, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. And conversely, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's really just going to be an act of fruition. And for me, I learned that the working one-on-one, -on -one, hands-on with individuals that were in a similar situation to my parents, the, uh, the cut was probably too deep. Right. And there are I didn't have the proper disposition to be a very good case manager, gotcha. but I did have you said business acumen. I, I, I did have the ability to look at data points, be able to determine correlations and uh, analyze statistics and moreover, be able to articulate vision to large groups of individuals. And coming to Goodwill really gave me the opportunity to take something that I am skilled at for a mission that I am extremely passionate about. And in every step in my career with Goodwill, it's given me an opportunity, an opportunity to leverage the skill set that I do have to make an even greater impact in the communities that I serve. That's an interesting point. So, so you've always had the passion to, to help maybe not so much as a caseworker, you weren't quite a, a good fit there, but you've always had the business acumen as well. And in one direction, maybe didn't work so much, but in this direction, it actually is it was actually a benefit to you. That's, a, that's great. You know, that's and that's good. the beauty, that's the beauty of goodwill is that we're such a, 
dynamic organization that there are so many different seats on the on the proverbial bus. Yeah. Right? And so just because I didn't fit into one of those seats well doesn't mean that I, I didn't have a, a place for me on the bus. I just had to find the right one. And for sure, right? And and for those maybe who, who are not quite as familiar with Goodwill, right, there there is the the executive seat, right? The the CEO, the COO, the CFO, the people who are concerned with the direction the bus is going, making sure that it's funded well, uh, because there are people maybe on in other seats on the bus who are who are actually reaching out and and helping people, and, and not that no that they're the only people helping, right? But that's their main focus is to go out and find people to help and and, and to run the mission, run the uh, run the programs and the services, and that everybody has that seat. And that you don't have to be the same person to fill every seat. Yeah, correct. It's, yeah, I mean, if you if you did have the same personality in every one of those seats, it would be it would be an absolute train wreck. I think I wouldn't disagree with you there. Yeah. So, so what would you say? Um, every goodwill is different, right? Uh, you're, you're all the same, and you're all different. Uh, you're all unique in, in your own way. What would you say is your corporate mission? To put it very plainly, we empower people through employment. And, you know, that looks very different depending on who the individual is coming through the door. You know, given our model and the way Goodwills operate, we self-fund a a majority of our programs, which gives us that flexibility because we're not so beholden to other funders to meet individuals where they're at, right? And a lot of nonprofits, they, they do get restricted, by the individuals that either refer or fund these programs. And so for us, if a, an Emmanuel Combs, who his entire youth was actually institutionalized because of his disability and was taught to believe that he would never amount to anything, we had programs and services we could offer him. The, the Donna Batistas of the world that was part of the unpaid workforce for almost a decade uh, as a caretaker for her loved ones and couldn't find an individual or a company that was willing to take a chance on her because of the gap in employment. We had something for her. For the Lydell Colliers, who was incarcerated for over, uh, over 10 years, and when he got out of prison, all he had was the clothes on his back and a desire to prove people wrong and just wanted that one last shot at redemption. Um, but in every one of those cases, our, our mission was the same. We were going to empower them and we were going to better their lives through the power of employment. I'm, I'm guessing these are people that have come through your organization, people that needed help. How were you able to help them? So, so let's take the, um, the, the gentleman that, that came out of prison. What, what were you guys able to do for that individual? Yeah, so Lydell came to us fresh out of uh, incarceration and as you would imagine, most people didn't want to hire a, a recently released uh, felon. There's a risk, right? There's a high risk. There, yeah. there is a high risk. We know that recidivism rates are they're not good and, and that an individual is prone to reoffending. And so, yeah, there, there is some substantial risk. We enrolled him in several of our programs, but one of the programs that we enrolled him in was we call it our PTP program, our paid training program. And it's an opportunity for individuals like Lydell to be able to come in, uh, learn the proverbial soft skills, the uh, 
how to show up to work on time, how to dress appropriately, how to how to communicate effectively with your coworkers and supervisors, all while we pay them a wage with the idea mm-hmm. that at the end of this program, we're going to help them find employment, usually with someone else, not us, but we give them the opportunity to learn those skills in a safe environment, not worried about a blade above their neck and, and worrying about yeah. being terminated the next day because they slip and fell. In Lydell's case, he was one of the rare uh, rare exceptions. When he graduated out of that program, We our, our mission team was fully prepared to help him find placement in the community, and our operations team refused to let him go. So they hired him on permanently and actually to date is one of our most successful managers in the company. Uh, oh, wow. Just again, a, a great phenomenal example of, of you know, when you are tenacious enough and you want something bad enough, uh, yeah. you can accomplish just about anything. With, with Donna Batista, she was an individual that came through us through our staffing services. So we actually offer a robust staffing service, temp service for our community. It's, it's really kind of a a beautiful mold between our enterprise and our ability to drive business, but being mission focused. And so Donna was one of those that, that came through our staffing services. Emmanuel Combs is a, is an individual that works uh, on our business service contracts uh, up actually at the state Capitol. And he Uh is working on a custodial crew for us that is a contract secured through the state use program, which requires us and other contractors like us under this program to work with individuals that have significant disabilities. Um, so each one of them kind of came through a different program that we offer, but all of them again had the same kind of emphasis in terms of how do we, how do we help them become self-sufficient through that power of employment. You know, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you can have skill and passion and, and still not be successful because you're not in the right seat. I think that that maybe a third a third category that I would add to that or a third attribute would, would be having having a benefactor, right? Having a sponsor, having somebody who's willing to take a chance on you. Somebody who says, you know what, I know there's a risk here. I know there's liability uh, concerns but we are going to take a chance on you. And, I, and, and when I hear this, I think to myself, you know, there was a person who was outside of the, the workforce for, I think you said 10 years, and um, you know, somebody took a chance on her and somebody came out of incarceration and, you know, recidivism rates are so high and somebody took a chance on him. And, uh, you know, my, my guess is that when you see stories like that, that that's a great day. Like that's, I'm happy to get out of bed when I hear stories like that. And when I'm in, when, if I put myself in your shoes, I imagine that there are, there are tough days too, you know, tough days when, when you ask yourself whether or not, you know, you're, you're doing any good um, or whether overcoming different hurdles that, you know, in trying to provide these services are just, you know, just difficult. Do you, do you ever encounter those days as well? Never. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I think for I think for every good day, there's there's always a an equal bad day somewhere on the horizon, yeah. and 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 you know it's it's um, there's one example that actually comes to mind, and I'm I'm going to refrain from using this individual's name, so we're just going to call him B. 
And it was shortly after I had moved here to West Virginia and this individual came to us, had, um, had a rap sheet. He was a young man, um, very young man and, and had a history of just petty crime. And because of that was finding it very difficult to find employment. And he enrolled in our programs, was going through our programs, doing an exceptional job, was actually in the same PTP program that Lydell was in, doing a phenomenal job. And, and our mission service team was really excited to help him continue to move down this, this uh, pathway. And one day he, he walked into our prosperity center here in Charleston and asked to use the computer lab, which we always have open to the public and our, our team members. And for one reason or another, and I, I don't even recall what it was, it, it wasn't open at that particular time, but they were looking to find the facilitator to open it back up. And he became very, very agitated, very angry and, and just frustrated and ended up assaulting a 61-year-old man who is also a program participant in the lobby of our prosperity center and um, was then detained and actually arrested for domestic violence as well at home. And um, it just, it just breaks your heart, right? When you see an individual that was taking all of the right steps to change their life and throw away the opportunity and moreover exhibit the type of behavior that actually led him to come to us in the first place. This was an individual that was in his early twenties and it's sad, but we do we do see it a lot. We see that happen, and maybe not the assault part, but we see individuals that, you know, for one reason or another, always fall back into the same routines that ultimately led them to the point they were at. You know, you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, you know, having a sponsor is, you know, whether we call it a sponsor or something else is is so imperative. You know, folks like you and I, Elias, are very blessed because we had someone in our lives at some point that said, you know, if you want to be successful, this is what it looks like, right? It's right behind that door over there. And you're going to walk through there and it's going to be scary. And I know it's going to be scary because it's going to look like a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but it's all going to be worth it when you go through. And there's so many people that don't have that. And when you are really fighting to be that stability for them and something like that happens, it makes for a very bad day. Yeah. How do you get through a day like that? Well, you know, I mean, I think, I think the knowledge that there are so many people out there right now that are dealing with far greater issues than maybe the frustration or, or disappointment that I feel because of situations like that. Um, you know, we're, we're called to be better tomorrow for those yep. individuals that, that we serve. And so I think when people stumble, I mean, I've, I've stumbled plenty in my career. You know, I, I think that it's just one of those things that you got to pick yourself up and, and move forward with. Yeah. You know, when I first started out, <clears throat> I was very focused on, on just being successful, right? You know, just, just making making enough money for, for, for me, for the family, for us to move forward. And, you know, with maturity, I think, you know, you start realizing that, you know, those things are important, but they, but even more important, um, is, is how I impact others. And, uh, 
you know, I, there are times when, when, when you're successful at doing that, you know, and there are times when, when you're not. And, and the reason that we ask this question is because we're encouraging people to, to, to think beyond just the money and just beyond just, you know, what does it mean for me, but reaching out. And there will be days when we fail, you know, we say the wrong thing or some, something like this happens and, and it's affecting this other individual much more than it's affecting you, Dan. Um, and, and you make that point, right? There's people that are, are, are suffering more than just, you know, just having a, a, an emotional day. You know, he's, he's, he's suffering in, in other ways as well. And I think that, that for some of us, you know, we, we say, well, then what's the point? And I think that you said it, you said it perfectly, right? That, that this, this encourages us to be better tomorrow, that, that we want to be better tomorrow. We want to be there for the next person and we can't help everybody. And not everybody needs our help, right? But, but our goal is to, is to do what we can to, to help others. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. What is Dan's mission? What, what, is, uh, what are you trying to achieve in life? And, and how, does it, how does it line up with, what you're, with the work that you're doing now? You know, to the best of my knowledge, with the you know, just minimal amount of understanding that I have around it, I believe that we only get one chance at this thing we call life. And yeah. my goal with whatever time I may have left on this earth is to do, to do my best and give my best to everything yeah. and everybody that I can, whether it's my team here at work, my, my wife, my family, my friends, my community. Yeah. They, they absolutely deserve nothing less than that. So your, your grandmother absolutely refused, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the doctors thought it was crazy because it was such a big family. And she said, Nope, you'll teach me how to take care of him, And, and I'll, I'll, I will be the caretaker until he's ready to be able to navigate this world on his own. Yeah. And yeah, he ended up being the first, first one in the family to actually go to college and graduate. You know, sometimes we just want to throw people away. You know what I'm saying? And, and they have so much, everybody has value, right? Everybody has value. So Dan, so you've gone through and you've talked to us about your, your corporate mission. You've told us a few stories of what a good day looks like, what a bad day looks like. And, uh, and I appreciate that. But um, what about your personal mission and, and what you're trying to achieve in life? And how does that line up with, with what you're, you're doing corporately, with what you're doing with your location? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, to the best of my knowledge, we only get one chance at, at this thing we call life, right? And my goal with whatever time I have left here is to really do my best and give my best to everything and everybody that I can, whether it's my, my team here, whether it's my family, my friends, my community, yeah, they, they deserve nothing less than that. And that is how I approach every single day when I come into the office. Yeah, wonderful. That's great. We talk about philanthropy. We talk about goodwill. We talk about you know charity and, and those sorts of things. And sometimes people don't see that going together with money. And, and it took me a little while to, to realize this as well when I first uh, started working with Goodwills. I, I used to think that Goodwill's mission was to provide uh, inexpensive clothing to people yeah. you know, so that they could come in and buy inexpensive clothes and, and whatnot. Uh, it took a lot for me to, to realize, no, we're actually trying to help. I say we, you guys are working to overcome barriers to employment, helping people, people work. And, and it's an audacious venture, 
right? Because we have goodwills that are raising, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, giving most of that back into the community, back into, into the mission. I asked another CEO this, do you ever find that there's just maybe not for lack of a better word, conflict, but not conflict in, in, in values, but conflict in thinking, right? On the one side, hey, we need to raise as much money as possible. And on the other side, we're trying to help people. Do you, do you ever find just a difference in, um, in priorities, a conflict in priorities? Maybe that's the best way to say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always in constant conflict, you know? And, and I, if I were the CEO of a for-profit thrift retailer, my life would be exponentially easier. <laughs> but, but we have a responsibility as a nonprofit organization to do the most good that we can with the resources that our community entrusts in us. And so one of the things that I, I love to do is I intentionally surround myself with diversity of thought, right? I have people on my team that you know, they understand how to run a large enterprise very, very well. And I have people on this team that when you cut them, they bleed goodwill blue, now, I've got folks that are the product of our services, and I have folks that could be executives of Fortune 500 companies. And my job as the CEO is to set the strategic direction for both our, our operations as well as our mission, and then listen to the feedback that my team is giving me and make the best decisions to ensure both the financial viability of our company as well as program delivery for our community. And it's never, it's never easy to balance it out. And, you know, sometimes I don't get it right. In fact, I, I don't get it right a lot. And I think that that's probably something that if you ask this question to 100 uh, very successful nonprofit leaders, they would probably tell you the exact same thing. It's, it's yeah. always always in, in conflict with with one another. And I think by just having a group of individuals that can give me so many different perspectives, it helps yep. to make me a, a more well-rounded leader and make the best decisions for our company. Now, and, and that makes sense, right? It, it makes sense. And, um, you know, as you go through, you're the face, you're the head, you're, you're the person who, who's out in the community. People know who you are. When, when you encounter people, you know about this conflict in your head, but, but other people, you know, maybe they see this conflict and, and they just come to different conclusions, right? That Goodwill's just out there to make money or, uh, you know, that they're supposed to be just providing cheap clothing for, for individuals. What, what have you found is, is the, least, the least understood fact about Goodwill or the most misunderstood fact about Goodwill? Oh, and that, that's, that's easy. It's our, it, it is our mission, right? Because we are such a successful company and our mission, it's really, it's twofold. It's, it, it is one, because we are a successful business and, and from the outside looking in, they see 4,000 stores from coast to coast. And, and the most recognizable aspect of our brand is our business venture, that is one of those things that it's hard for the the normal uh, person to just be able to correlate that with with a mission. But then because of our mission, because our mission is so dynamic, and by that I mean all 154 Goodwills across North America have a similar mission of of helping individuals through you know career services and and that that power of a paycheck. The way we facilitate it looks different from one community to the next, right? So when I was in South Texas, 
if you spoke Spanish, right, but that was your only language, it wasn't necessarily a barrier. And, and there are counties in South Texas where 95%, 98% are Hispanic. And that's not a roadblock. But you come to West Virginia and you only know Spanish. The Ed Dermira Andersons of the world who, who are here in West Virginia, um, yeah. that's a real problem, right? And you know, another great example, when I was in Phoenix, transportation wasn't necessarily a, a huge obstacle. You have plenty of, of taxis, Ubers, RTAs, things like that to be able to get around. But here in West Virginia, if you don't have reliable transportation, I mean, yep. you've, been, you've been to West Virginia. You came out here when I we have. were setting up and, and rolling out solutions and and, uh, you know, you've got a mile and then you have a West Virginia mile and, and these mountains become a huge geographical barrier, but you don't have RTA because Charleston's your biggest city in the state at 47,000 people strong. So when you have those types of things that shift from community to community, it makes it more complicated and difficult for the general public to understand the mission, because you can say something like we empower people through employment, but that's kind of a nebulous statement. And it's not until you need to know the mission that you actually know what the mission is. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the, the least understood aspect of who we are is really the mission side. I, I still run into individuals almost daily that think that Goodwill is a for-profit organization that yeah. um, that we're just another discount retailer without any clue about the mission. Yeah, you know, I, I have family members who tell me that. Friends and family. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I love the fact that uh, Goodwill uh, works with people in, in this respect. And, and I just resonate. I, I was smiling before. I resonate with what you said. You know, if you're in Texas and you don't know English, it's not a barrier, right? I, that's where I grew up, right? Not in Texas, but in New Jersey and North Jersey. My family's from Chile. And I would have friends who just couldn't speak English, <laughs> you know, and parents who could. But they were fine because it didn't matter, you know, because uh, everybody spoke Spanish uh, where they were. But what you're saying about not knowing the mission until you need to, it, it, it makes all the makes all the sense in the world. Uh, we love partnering with Goodwills. We love having just a small impact in, the, in, in what you guys are doing, and we love to do that. So as we as we move on, what, what's the latest thing that you guys are doing? What's what's the latest venture? Whether it's personal, whether it's corporate, what are, what are you guys doing now? We we run at breakneck speed here, and so we've got we've got a lot of things that we've been doing, and yeah, I think. Uh, just recently, we finalized the acquisition of another nonprofit organization that was actually in the shelter space here in West Virginia. They okay. were they were actually the largest shelter in the state, and they were dealing with some pretty substantial financial issues. And they were actually about to lay off roughly 25 employees because they just simply ran out of cash and turn out nearly 100 homeless people onto the street the week before oh. Christmas last year. And, you know, for us, we deal with this population regularly. And, and we understand kind of what our niche is in helping um, end poverty for our community. We help people find jobs. And we do that very, very well. But it is yeah. – 
unbelievably challenging for people to even think about work when they have no idea where they're going to lay their head down at night. You know, it takes takes a village to really help lift some of these individuals up. And so we immediately stepped in as an unpaid consultant to the organization uh, back in December and helped manage through some of those difficulties and then made the decision roughly five months ago to actually merge them in to, well, we didn't merge them, we acquired them. We created a separate subsidiary corporation um, just because the brand had been so damaged as they went through that process. And so we set up Peak Living Services. Actually, you probably can't see it, but that's the lapel pin I'm wearing today is Peak Living Services, um, which allows us to put the entire horsepower of Goodwill behind that organization and really make a difference in the shelter space. And just recently, we made the press announcement, but we're actually going to be getting it launched and rolling here in the next few weeks is our Mission Mobile, uh, which we shamelessly stole from the Goodwill right in your backyard down in Greenville. Okay. Yeah. When I moved to West Virginia, one of the things that my board asked of me was how we were going to provide services to the rural communities of West Virginia. And to me, there, there was a little bit of laughter and chuckle because everywhere in West Virginia is rural. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even, even Charleston's a very rural, uh, very rural community. So, but I understood what they, what they meant because we, we were providing services almost exclusively here in Charleston and, and just okay. a few of the surrounding communities. And it made sense because that's where the population was, but really the individuals and communities with the greatest needs laid on the other side of these mountains. And so how are we going to get to those communities when you have the transportation barriers that I was talking about? They can't come into a prosperity center. And we had set up these brick and mortar uh, learning centers, but that's only good in highly populated areas. And so how do you reach the people truly where they're at? and help some of the individuals living in, in these hollers here in, in the four corners of West Virginia. What our team did was go out and look for great innovative models of how we could then take our mission to them versus trying to find solutions for them to come to us. And that's really where they wow. came up with uh, this this mission mobile unit, which is in, in all respects, an RV that has been retrofitted into a mobile classroom. So this is a, a $400,000 mobile classroom that's outfitted with wow. multiple, wor- uh, multiple workspaces, a computer lab. It's got Wi-Fi, internet. So when we go into some of the communities, broadband is a huge issue here in West Virginia. Yeah. When we go into some of these communities, we actually have the ability to throw internet for the entire community while we're there. It's outfitted with a, with an office for a manager to go ahead and work out of or, or a facilitator to work out of. It's got AV equipment both inside and outside. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and so we think this is going to be a game changer for the state of West Virginia. So, so you've got – so if I understand right, this is called Mission Mobile. It's, uh, it's an RV. So would you – if this is successful, you would get like multiple – like 
additional RVs and go to different communities around the state then? Is that what you're thinking? That would be my vision is to have a fleet of these that we would be moving throughout and not just moving arbitrarily, but the idea would be to work with other community partners that also have similar mobile units. And much like in Greenville, you may have a food truck festival where you have 20 different food trucks that roll in. In some of these communities, we really have to triage it. And okay. yeah, before we can actually do our part, as I said, we have a very niche role in helping. Uh, it may be one of those things where we need to get them to a food pantry or it may be working with HealthRight or someone else. And so going in as a collective group of organizations and social services to help the communities. That's really, I think, what where the future lies for us and mission services here in West Virginia. Again, I I used the word audacious before. This is audacious, Dan. This is a uh, this is not a small thing. Uh, A lot of a lot of logistics, a lot of moving parts here. I'm I'm thrilled to hear that you guys are doing that. I uh, I love the fact that you guys stepped in. For, for peak living services and that you, you said, you know what, you, you, you can't, you can't help somebody help themselves if they're, if they, if they feel like they're in danger, right? They're, they're at risk. They don't have a place to put their head. That these are two wonderful, wonderful ventures that you guys are working on. If, if, if somebody wanted to reach out and say, Hey, how could I help? How do we get them in touch with you? Yeah, they can go on to goodwillkv.com. Um, Go to the website, goodwillkv.com, or go to peaklivingservices.com. Both of them will take you to our organizations, and they can get more information there about how they can assist us in this audacious adventure that we're on. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and, and that's for Mission Mobile as well, then? They, they, they just go to the, to the website? and Correct. Yeah. Offer. That's great. Good. All right. So two questions that we're asking everybody. Right as you give back to the to the community, first question is going to be which book has had the most impact on you, uh, or contributed most to your success, and then the second question is if you were to encounter a younger version of you, what is the advice that you would give to yourself? So, so the first question, uh, which what book has had the most impact or contributed most to your success? Ooh, <clears throat> you know, really, I'll I'll always say two two books. Um, okay. And I use I use them in tandem. Yeah, I use them in tandem all the time because I think they do dovetail together nicely. They really do. Uh, First one is Good to Great by Jim Collins. I don't know if you've read it, but very very popular book. Um, And what I love about it is I'm a very pragmatic individual, and you know Jim Collins is he he's a researcher, right? And so he puts together this book that says. You know, I, I can't necess- necessarily tell you how to build a great business, but I can tell you what they all have in common, right? right? Yeah. Here are these, I, I can tell you that in order to be a great company, you need to have a level five leader. Now, I can't tell you how to be a level five leader, but I can tell you that you need to have this. And these are the values that they have. Here's the skill set that they have. Yeah. But then the seven habits of highly successful people by Stephen Covey. Covey's on the opposite side of this coin, right? He's he's one of these individuals that says, you know, I, I mean, he didn't he didn't even write the book about business, but what he talks about is how to build people, right? How how yeah. to build people, and and when you put those two books together, 
it's the science behind both of them that makes so much sense to me that Jim Collins can say, in order to be a great business, you have to have a level five leader. And you've got Covey over here saying, and this is what a level five leader is, right? Yeah. If you want to be a level right. five yeah. leader, this is, these are the things to, to work on. And so I, I always, when I, when I mentor people, uh, when I work with my team, I always make them read both of those books back to back. Yeah. And then the other question you had was um, if I could talk to a younger me, a, a younger you. Yeah. And I know, you know, you're, you're like 20. So, so you know, maybe go back <laughs> a few years. Uh, you know, I, I um, it's a great question. I would probably say give yourself some grace okay. and understand that everything that's happening to you has its season and that nothing lasts forever. All right. Learn to celebrate, learn to celebrate the wins in your life and not rush off to the next great adventure before giving yourself time to actually soak in the victory. And, and, you know, conversely, the losses that you take make you stronger. Uh, I know you want certain things in your life now, and, and maybe they haven't manifested, but at times it may not, it may look like nothing will ever yep. go your way again, but, but it will. And reflecting back on the life that, that I've lived, I can sit here and confidently say that I've lived a very blessed life. That's good. So give yourself some grace, celebrate the wins, learn from the losses, and uh, realize that they won't, neither one will last forever. I, I, it's great. Dan, it was, uh, it was such a pleasure getting a chance to, to, to speak with you today. And uh, I really appreciate you joining us for the podcast. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing you soon. And um, thank you. Thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you, Elias.